All right, everyone. Welcome back to the 17th episode of the Chats the Charity Stripe podcast. I'm your co-host, Jacob. And I'm your other co-host, Josh. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, so I hate to start off the podcast this way. We just wanted to uh, quickly address um, that we are, are saddened to hear the news of the Golden State Warriors assistant coach, um, Dehan uh, Milosevic. Uh, on Tuesday of last week, it was uh, noted the team was notified that he had a um, an event at a team dinner and ended up having a heart attack and passed away that next day. Um, obviously, our condolences go out to his family and uh, everyone surrounding him during this difficult time. Uh, never easy to lose someone, uh, let alone in such an you know a big franchise like that that he's affected so many people this time there so yeah just thought we um, could go the ahead. nba did uh you know it was a nice gesture of them i thought they canceled the warriors next two games after that to give them some time to to deal with that so yeah just thought we could take a second to to, to cover that and and just think of like how many lives he's touched and how he's made the warriors into you know, he's, I think he was a shooting coach along with that as well. So definitely, definitely a very impactful man. Yeah. Uh, moving on to some college basketball news. A judge ruled on Friday in favor of Terrence Shannon Jr.'s restraining order against the University of Illinois, ruling that Terrence Shannon Jr. can play um, while he stands trial and that the University of Illinois cannot suspend him. The University of Illinois could choose to um, uh, um, appeal that if they wanted to. However, Associate Chancellor Robert Kaler said uh, Shannon, quote, has been reinstated to full status as a university student athlete and will be available for basketball practice and competition. We will continue to review the court order and monitor the case. So Illinois plays tomorrow. They will have played by the time this come out. They play at home against Rutgers. So we'll see how they proceed with that going forward yeah i saw that he was immediately available for practice i didn't see if he was going to be suiting up for the game though so we'll just have to see what that turns out to be how do you well i guess we can touch on this a little bit later but it'll be interesting to see how he fits back into the lineup with a a team that's been playing pretty well together so far yeah Um, we'll we'll talk about the basketball side of things here a little bit later in the episode but just wanted to mention that that is what is happening right now. Uh, I think the the reason for the ruling was that basketball is like his livelihood, and this will significantly impact it negatively if he were um, found not guilty. And so, by due process, he has to be allowed to continue to play. Right. That that's that's a big thing for for both him and Illinois. So we'll 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 see the impacts of that and the the ramifications if they if there are any as time goes on. Yep. Uh, next thing we wanted to cover real quickly is that uh, we we had uh, covered very shortly about um, Josh Giddy's uh, uh, case that was opened up against him for a possible involvement with a minor. Um, it, it was found out this week that the case is now closed or dis- dismissed for the moment, at least, and that there was no signs of, of involvement with any underage people. So good job, Josh Giddy. <laughs> That's all I can say, I guess. That's yeah. I'm just 
I'm I'm glad because it feels like there was a, that was the air over the Thunder this year. Like they they've had a flawless year so far. It seems like, and that was the one thing that people were like, okay, but this is that's the thing that's looming over. And now that it's gone, you know, it, what it, he'll probably play better too, at least. Yeah, I mean, if I if he really didn't do it, then it probably didn't bother him as much as maybe if he had. That's done true. Um, yeah. All right. Enough of that. Basketball news now. Uh, real yeah. quick, some injuries. Uh, unfortunately, John Morant is out for the season with a torn labrum. He had surgery on that uh, a couple, maybe a week ago or so now. Uh, yeah. Marcus Smart out six weeks with a severe right finger injury. Desmond Baines out six weeks with an ankle injury. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton missed the past two weeks with a hamstring strain. He did return last night against the Trailblazers. Jacob Pertle out at least two weeks with an ankle sprain. I'm not sure if he's back yet because that was shortly after our last episode. And then Zubat's uh, hmm. out four weeks with a calf injury. Uh, yeah. Any of those injuries stand out? Well, uh, going back to the very beginning with uh, Marcus Smart and and John Morant, let's go back a couple episodes whenever you first said that it's looking grisly in Memphis. Um, it was starting to turn up a little bit and here we are, unfortunately, we're back to it. Um, yeah. so very, very un- unfortunate turn of events for, for them. Uh, really thought that they were, they were turning a leaf here. Yeah, I was excited the for, hand for them. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I was excited cause they were starting to make a little bit of a run when John Murray yeah. came back in. Yeah, they were, um, on the bright side for them though, Jaron Jackson has been playing, exceptional this last couple of weeks so that's um maybe if he can keep playing like that then they'll at least do a little better than what they did without him the first time yeah if if they can get healthy next year this will you know they'll get a good draft pick out of this so it's not they're still pretty young so it's not the end of the world for them just a bummer to lose a season yeah it is for how talented he is it's just very unfortunate yeah um, and then we got some extensions. Eric Spolstra signed an eight-year, 120 mil plus extension uh, to remain head coach. The most ever money, guaranteed money on a head coaching deal. Congrats. Very well deserved. Probably, I would say, almost unanimously considered the best coach in the NBA right now. Um, just keeps 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 doing his thing. I heard a very funny thing about this. Um, okay. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's correct or not. This was just a, a rumor that had been flying around that he recently went through a divorce and that they waited until after the, after the divorce to sign the extension so that he didn't, he didn't have to pay some of that extension to yeah. his divorcee that I I thought that was interesting. It said someone po- posted on there, like this is the real heat culture or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Obviously we have no idea what happened with the divorce, why it happened. We're not going to comment on that, but I just thought that was a very, very funny. If, if it is a coincidence, sure. But if it was, if it was truthful, then that's, that's interesting that the heat did that. Yeah. And there was, there was no <laughs> like sources or any on that. It was just people making making guesses and jokes yeah I, yeah i saw it on like basketball hoops or something like that on on instagram i don't know if it actually had a true source or not but <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah. I, I like the heat locked him up for for eight years, right? That's a lot of money. You're not gonna fire him in, you know, year three or something like that. So right. it kind of cements him, I feel like, in like the Greg Popovich almost sort of mm-hmm. role where even if they're bad, they trust that if they make the right draft picks, he'll get them to be good again. Which the Heat are pretty good at using draft picks for for that. Yeah. Um, bolstering their their roster. Yeah. But it it's they're smart. Uh, Pat Riley's still in the front office, right? I think for them. Yeah, I think so. So yeah. I mean very experienced coach and himself as well. So I mean two brilliant minds on this team. Um, they know how to to use players to the best ability and develop them. Though yeah. I mean the whole the whole heat culture thing is not just a saying; it's it's true. I mean you see that in what were they the eighth seed last year go to the finals? Yep, you don't see that very often. My opinion on heat culture: it's nothing more than they got good culture at one point and they just kept it. Right, you think like they got Pat Riley in like the early, the late nineties. That when he came it's, came to it's got to be in the nineties at somewhere, yeah, because he, he ended up winning in 06. And there's a direct line from Pat Riley joining in the nineties to like right now. And there was, I mean, they had Dwayne Wade, right? They had him for a really long time. There was overlap with Udonis Haslam, and then that overlaps into Jimmy Butler. So there's like a coach and player overlap since the nineties for this franchise. Most franchise you yeah. can look at and there's like a clear, like they were good and then they were bad and everyone from mm-hmm. when they were good left and then they got good again, you know, and there's yeah. just a just continuity for the heat. It, they never you, fully can, you can never count out the heat ever. It is the weirdest thing ever. Like you, like the eight seed. You thought that it was just like okay, they're gonna lose to the to the you know uh, seven seed or whatever, and then not <laughs> you know not Atlanta at home in the play-in game. Yeah, yeah. So it 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 doesn't really it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense with them, but they make it happen. And I think I think they I think it's similar to like the LeBron James mentality, but LeBron embodies it as a person rather than a whole team. Yeah. And it's just like turning turning on the switch for for productivity and just connectivity and it pretty much everything under that that title of just being under the heat culture and putting it all out on the floor whenever it matters. It it's 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 pretty impressive. Um and then the other extension we had uh, unless you had more thoughts on that one. Nope. Uh, Kawhi Leonard got a three-year, $153 million extension with the Clippers. That's so very good. Have at least one star to showcase in their brand new shiny arena next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, and um, I mean, star, I mean, he, he's definitely – Falling off a tad, but still very important for them. Russell Westbrook, he's got that two-year deal, so he'll still be with them too. Yeah, 
I, I think that's important. If they don't get Kawhi Leonard extension done, they're not getting a Paul George extension done. They're not right. bringing James Harden back. So, so I think I think this was this is good. I think they could potentially rule this this group into another season with mm-hmm. with that extension being done. So, I like it. I mean, they they definitely got to after seeing the success that they've had um, recently. Whenever everything is is clicking for them now, I mean, it's. Um, this is a it, this is a scary defensive team between it, I mean it already was before it, I mean it Harden doesn't really bolster defense uh, whenever he steps onto a team but um, the offensive firepower obviously has 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 grown exponentially it seems like yeah. um, whenever whenever James Harden is now knocking down um, step back threes instead of just spot ups where he was most productive last year. It's scary. Yep. Yeah, they're they're a good team. This I think this allows them a two or three year window to have this team together. So I really like the extension. Obviously, there's always going to be health concerns with Kawhi Leonard, but we know if he's there in the playoffs, they have the ability to make a run. They do. Yep. And he, you know, I'm going to knock on wood right now, but. Um, he we've seen him so far this year and I'm still trying to determine whether it's because of the whole uh, penalty for sitting all-star thing, or if it's him actually (laughs) not being injured this year, I'm still trying to weigh that out a little bit. Yeah. I feel like we've seen a lot less games where players miss with like a finger injury or a toe injury or like a bruise or something like that, where they years past, they would have, listed that on the injury report and sat them and this year they're just playing through it because you know right. they don't the rules plus they don't want to um you know miss out on those awards and i i think only a couple of teams have been penalized so far this year did uh, i think the nets did once they sat I, i've only seen we, the nets they sat their entire starting five with yeah no reason and they got they got slapped with a fine for that one which and which Mikkel, also and Mikel broke his streak of starts or yeah games which played. just a really i don't like what are you doing all these players are young players and you're yeah. kind of mediocre you can't really afford to just throw a game away I, it was a weird a weird move from that franchise yeah it it didn't really make sense i i, I wonder if that was like Jacques Jacques Vaughn's idea or if it was like the front office idea because the front office has to know the financial penalty behind that and the front office is mostly the ones that think financially the most obviously they want success too but they're thinking money 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 and Jacques is the one who's thinking strategy so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense and Jacques is is a smarter coach than that and I would think but <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, it was it was just silly. Um, but I, I did like to see that the NBA actually followed through and sent out a fine for it. Yeah, I agree. It 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 uh it puts them on it it, it kind of puts them on blast at the beginning. Like we're not we're not putting up with anything at this point, and that's yeah. that's good. That their 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 tolerance is there's no tolerance for that. Yep. Sets a standard. 
Um, all right, we got a couple of trades. Yeah. Let's talk about the bad one and then we'll talk about the good one. Uh so the Pistons traded Marvin Badgley, Isaiah Livers, and two future seconds to the Wizards in exchange for Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala. Um what? <laughs> yeah, what? I uh, Danilo Gallinari is not that good. Uh, Mike Muscala is, is he's got to be on a veteran minimum by this point. I mean, he's yeah. he's older now. I mean, why why and two two picks with Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Rivers? I, yeah. I, I don't understand. So I, I can see kind of the thought process here, right? They need more spacing so they can get their lineups. Both of these players can give them sort of a a four or a five that can shoot, which could be helpful. I can also see, right, they had a big room of three players who did essentially kind of the same role with Jalen Duran, James Wiseman, and Marvin Bagley. But Marvin Bagley has been better than James Wiseman. Mm-hmm. Just flat out, he's been better. So if you're going to give up on one of your players, aside from the fact that Wiseman, I think, is on a maybe on a smaller contract, I would think you would send out Wiseman and keep Bagley. Like one of those is playable. One of those is not. Why would you not right. ship out Wiseman? You have you don't have to bring in as much salary in exchange. Probably right. costs less to ship him out. And you keep the better player. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> I mean, this sums up the Pistons though this year, right? Yeah. <laughs> Poor front office management yeah. i mean maybe they get those picks back right they trade muscala or they trade gallinari at the trade deadline and they get one you know a second or something back for him but like at some point you're just like moving the same piece in a circle right like right it it didn't make a whole lot of sense i i like it for the wizards i will say i like the move for the wizards you bring in two I, young I players who you can experiment with um bagley's been good in the couple of games he's played for them um, Isaiah Livers kind of has that wing shooting kind of archetype. He hasn't quite found it yet, but I I like the I like the idea behind it. Get some second round picks, so I like it for the Wizards. But if you're the Pistons, just you know, what are you doing? Yeah, and and to your to your point with the 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 two picks that were shuffled into that as well. I mean, that's assets for for trades or you know, any packages that you you want to do too. I, yeah. I, I think it's so I, I, I had two things that I wanted to talk about with this. So the 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 first one is um it, did you see the video of them whenever they found out they were traded, Marvin Bagley and Rivers? Yeah. When they were on the practice court and they found out that's that has to be the most heartbreaking thing. And but I had to think like what in that situation, what would I want more? Would I want to be at home? on my phone and get a text message from my agent that says you're traded or would I want to be around the guys that I'm balling with. And I probably would want to be by myself in my opinion, just because like, like it was nice that everyone shared their hugs. And I I do think that the Pistons, I mean, they've been through however many games now. Yeah. Yeah. Video. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and like we had that sense of that, 
like our when we were in high school we had a very poor season one year and i think that next year that grew that helped us grow you know is and like that bond got stronger because we didn't want it to have the same year the next year and uh so i think that that they were on their way to that i think this year was obviously they knew it was probably scrapped but they were on the way to working veterans (laughs) well maybe the front office knew this right right players (laughs) knew. yeah but the second point is the second thing I wanted to talk about is just like it feels like between these two teams, the two bottom in the East, it just feels like they're you would think that they'd be trying to trade up to like one of the more competitive teams that have better assets and ones and people that are actually showing that they can function within a, an actual basketball system rather yeah. than trading amongst the two bottom. Like what what if what if the Pistons somehow just overtake the Wizards and then that's where they stay the whole year. Like <laughs> yeah. just 14 and 15 fighting the whole, the whole rest of the year. Considering the Kyle Kuzma tweet from, I don't know if you saw this, but whenever uh, the Pistons were on their first losing streak, he was like, at this point, everyone just doesn't want to be that team. And then obviously they followed that up by losing to the Pistons, which was yeah. hilarious. They were the Pistons' fourth win, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that was was funny. Uh, I I will say if you're like Danilo Gallinari, the kind of like veteran that might get traded to a good team, and your agent Mm -hmm. calls you and he's like, hey, you got traded. And he's like, oh, sweet. No more Washington Wizards. And you're like, (laughs) you got traded to the Pistons. You're going to the worst team and you're going to Detroit. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But in, in the same vein with that, think of Bagley and and, and uh, Rivers with that too. They're like, oh, thank yeah. goodness, we're getting out of here. Getting out. <laughs> they're just they're just up one rank in the East. That is <laughs> that is funny. It's just uh, it's it's like two two raccoons just trashing uh, uh, trading trash with each other uh, exactly, down at the yeah. bottom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not, I'm not calling. I'm not calling the players trash. I'm just talking about like the 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 people in this. Yeah, the the whole place itself. The Pistons yeah, and Wizards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! This is. It's just. I I thought that was hilarious that that had happened. Yeah, the the Pistons will have a lot of cap space this summer, so. Yeah, they'll probably swing big at someone that they shouldn't swing big at. Yeah. Um, so, cause there, I mean, there isn't that many great free agents, so it doesn't really matter how much cap space you have. Like, what are you gonna like? Pascal Siakam, if he doesn't get extended, uh, yeah. Tobias Harris, uh, just not a whole lot. I guess they could try to go for like Emmanuel quickly. Just bring in more guards. <laughs> yeah. Cat space doesn't do you a whole lot of good, especially if you just can't draft either. Um, right. Yep. I agree. All right. You want to move? Well, um, yeah. Yeah. The big one. Uh, so the big trade that happened, which you just brought him up, uh, Pascal Siakam was traded. I believe was that. What day was that? I can't remember. Wednesday? Friday? It was Wednesday. You're right. Uh, was traded from. Uh, from the Raptors to uh, the Pacers for Bruce Brown, 
uh, Kira Lewis Jr. and Jordan Nuara, uh, and two first rounders in uh, 2024 and a conditional first rounder in 2026. And the Pelicans somehow slipped into this trade as well. Um, <laughs> yes, they 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 sent a pick to they sent a second round pick to Indy for one hundred and ten thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah. So just real quick on that, they sent Kira Lewis to the Raptors and a second round pick. Yes. Well, sec- technically, they sent Kira Lewis to the Pacers, and then he was then rerouted to. Uh, the Raptors, but basically they got 110,000 back in it, which is the minimum amount of money that can be exchanged in a two team trade. The reason mm-hmm. they made this trade is they save like 18 to 20 million in luxury tax with getting that salary off the books. So I was very confused at first. They just get nothing <laughs> back in the trade. And like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, it it didn't really make much sense, it, and that was that was the Pelicans in that situation, right? That yes. that got the luxury, yeah, that yep. removed the luxury tax, yeah. It, that whenever I it was initially obviously the the biggest parts of that were the Raptors and the and the the Pacers, and then it was just kind of like, oh, the Pelicans are involved with this, and I'm like, how, <laughs> how, how could that possibly happen? But yeah, it's. What do you think? What are your thoughts on the trade? Uh, real quick, there was two sort of casualties from this trade. First, James Johnson had to be waived by the Pacers to make a roster yeah. spot for Kira Lewis, who was then traded. And then, unfortunately, the Raptors waived uh, Christian Coloco as well, who has been out since sometime last year with a respiratory issue. Uh, the NBA announced that he's dealing with some blood clot, clot issues, so... Mm. really concerning for him. I hope he can get healthy and just get back out of the court. Um, yeah. Yeah. And as someone that has obviously, you know, been around people like that before, it's not easy for people to get back into a, a regular shape after having clots in their lungs. It's just not, it's not easy. It takes a lot of time for you to get back to a hundred percent. You're on blood thinners then. So then you have to worry about, you know, bleeding everywhere. <laughs> It's just like a, it just like builds up problem after problem after problem. So, uh, you know, best of luck to him. I hope, I hope he gets, uh, gets over that and is resigned somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I just want to mention the Pelicans. I, you know, I don't care if you make a trade, like you gave up on a young player. I just don't like when teams make moves specifically to get under the luxury tax. I it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Make moves to win. Make moves to be better in the future. Who cares about a little bit of luxury tax? I'm not the one paying it, but I also don't have a billion dollars. So yeah, that's just my quick <laughs> thought on that. Uh, I love this trade for both sides, yeah. really, to be honest. But especially for the Pacers. I mean, Pascal Siakam. I, I think he could be a like a dream pairing with. With uh, with Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner, yeah, I agree. And Siakam has even he gets to the rim. Yeah, he's athletic. He can bring some defensive presence that they desperately need. I mean, they desperately needed a guy with his size on the wing. He's shooting Mm -hmm. just well enough that he can still space the floor. Uh, He can post up. He can take a lot of the sort of creation like responsibility off of Halliburton when Halliburton's not on the floor. Um, obviously it's risky because he is a free agent this summer, 
but I love it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that this is the piece that the first thing I thought was the defense instantly gets better on this. Mm-hmm. And we didn't truly see it. Like they, they just played last night uh, and they ended up losing, but I, it was their first game together. Same thing with the Harden trade. Give them a couple of games to get to get fitted together. But big defense, up. yeah, defense is number one for them. And if they can still keep the offensive firepower, plus now they've added it, it, a good offensive threat too, now they've bolstered their, their interior defense even more. And he can guard on, on the perimeter too. I mean, he's a good, he's yeah. a really good perimeter defender and has he can switch one through five if needed. Yep. He's got quick yep. feet. Um, I mean, he, he's, he's got really long arms, tip passes. It, it, it's just going to be so much better for them defensively. I think we could see them, you know, sneak up to five or six now uh, that they've got a defensive piece. And the other, the other thing that maybe people aren't talking about enough is right. Last year, Tyrese Halliburton went down and it sunk the Pacers season. This year he went down. They kind of actually pretty impressively stayed afloat. They, they won a road yeah. game in Sacramento the other night without Halliburton and Pascal Siakam wasn't playing yet either. Um, and so that was pretty impressive. But I do think this, this, if Tyrese Halliburton, this hamstring injury, that's that he had pops up again. Cause we know hamstrings can be once you injure it, it can keep coming back. Um, it's a very I, repetitive I think injury. Yeah. And this will allow him to kind of stay afloat. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously the only thing I don't like, he doesn't he's not under contract next year, but yeah. if he doesn't come back, I think they have like, if they renounce the rights to buddy healed, they have like 60 million in cap space so they can go out and get a bunch of players if if he decides not to come back and they have enough cap space that you know why wouldn't they just assuming it works why wouldn't you just offer him a max contract you know right and and especially if they're if they are successful together and Siakam has even said that he's he's more than open to to signing a, a contract again it's just making sure that they fit together and and maybe that is just pampering a lo- him a little bit more but i think he's definitely gonna unlock the next step for them into just truly being the the biggest potential that they can be as as the the biggest offensive threat in history in at some points and now being able if you can keep people 20 points underneath your how how much you are scoring i mean you're winning by you're you're scoring 130 140 every night if you can just keep keep them down defensively with him it's gonna work so before we move on to the raptors part of this i want to do a quick little litmus test having seen they've only played one game they lost Mm -hmm. but let's see if we think they can win how what the odds are they can win a playoff series all right if they're matched up against the magic who do you take I'm going to take the Pacers. Okay. I'm going to take the Pacers. And the only reason is because I, I think that the Magic are still pretty young. They haven't seen a series yet. Uh, the Pacers together, they haven't truly seen a series yet either. But they have a little bit more veteran room in there. And um, 
I, I I mean the offensive threat is enough anyway. I mean we saw it in the in the in season tournament. Obviously, it's not fully playoff level, but I mean they they made it to the championship. So I agree. Um, the as standing the the Magic are in eight, the Pacers are in seven. So I, I agree. I would take the Pacers in that in that for a lot of those same reasons. Uh, how about the Pacers versus the Heat? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I think just because of the Heat's experience, and as we were talking about earlier, their way to just gut out wins in series, I'd probably take probably take the Heat over the Pacers. But I think it would be a close. Are we talking full seven game series? Yep. Like if it's first I think round it's going. Playoffs. Yeah, I think it's going six or seven in that situation, though. Um, it, I think it would come down to specifically Miami's defense that would stop them. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I would take Miami in that as well. All right. Pacers versus Knicks. Oh, my. I, I thought that the Heat was probably the hardest one, and now <laughs> he just yeah. one-upped that. Oh, my. <laughs> I was thinking about this, too, because I was like, man, I love this trade for the Pacers. And then I started going through yeah. the teams in the East that I was like, and obviously we haven't seen the Pacers play yet, but just like on right. paper, do I think they could win this series? It gets it gets ugly real quick because then because you obviously got the Knicks they're sitting in five right. right now. Personally, I don't have them beating the Knicks in a, in, a, in a series. Right. Yeah. I think I think the Knicks are probably lower end on the East, and I think the Pacers are just like shortly underneath them. And so I don't think that they'll meet up unless it's like in obviously in the Eastern Conference Finals or something like that. But. Oh my goodness. That is such a good question. Okay. So I think probably if they could get, if Mitchell, let's just hypothetically say Mitchell Robinson's back for the playoffs, I would take miles Turner over Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson in that situation. Um, and then Siakam versus Randall. If Randall can play to his best ability, I would take him over Siakam. Okay. Um, and Brunson, I'm taking over anyone. I, I, I don't think Halliburton would match up with Brunson. So that's why I'm not like comparing them directly. But I, yeah. I, I like <laughs> Turner and, and Halliburton win on that side. But then you have Randall and Brunson winning on the next side. It's just like, I, yeah, I think that's yeah, a wrench in there. Yeah. So. I got and that's the same thing with with OG too. I haven't seen enough of him on the Knicks to to I I just haven't been able to watch any games with them yet. Uh just to see like if he is clicking as well. I know they've they've won a couple of of games since they've had him, but just yeah. I I I really love to see that because if they put him on Halliburton, I think that could be a good matchup. Yeah. Uh real quick uh, OG Ananobi is plus 173 in his first, uh, I think, 10 games now with the wow. Knicks. Or, wow. Yeah, which is the highest plus minus in the first 10 by a player in their first 10 games with a team ever. So, yeah. They so, have, we have really good with him. Yeah. Okay. We actually forgot to do a, a crazy stat last week or two weeks ago. And uh, I was going to put in that uh, Jordan Poole has the worst plus minus in the NBA right now at like negative 271 or something like that. Yeah, which 
is as much indicative of how bad his team is that he is. But yeah, uh, just real quick, would you have them beating any of the Celtics, Bucks, or 76ers? Probably not. But they okay. have, though, they have so far the season, like to get into the, play, uh, the in-season tournament, they beat the Bucks and the Celtics. They're four and one versus the Bucks this year. I actually yeah. think I, I was going to say just no. And then I was like, you know, if the Bucks don't make any moves, Tyrese Halliburton's going to destroy them. He's going to get 20 and 20. That's if, and Dame has not played. He's got a lot of stuff going on off the court, like personal stuff and whatever. So like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of giving him a pass for this, but like he hasn't played up to his standard this season. No, I don't like the Bucks in a playoff series that much right now. I think they're an upset. Can I, I agree right with that. I agree with that. And, and I could easily, easily see towards the end of the season that um, 76ers creep up to two bucks, drop yeah. three or lower or lower. If you know, like New York or someone creeps up into that spot too. Um, yeah. And, and you're right. They are a liability defensively. It it's it doesn't make sense for the the players that they have on their team with Giannis and Brooke Lopez and it, these guys who have been defensive player of the year candidates for years and years and years, and Dame's no slug on defense either. So yeah, it's Jake Crowder it doesn't make back, but yeah, yes, yes, I agree. I I think that gives the the starters a little bit more, you know, a little bit more help defensively, but. It just does not make sense, and they're they're changing their coverages and like drop drop coverage to like every single game. Like sometimes they're having Brooke come up. Obviously, it depends on the person that's coming off the pick and a drop mm-hmm. coverage. But like sometimes Brooke is up in the drop, and then now they're back. They're sitting in back, so players are just shooting floaters or mid rangers over top of them. It does not make sense. I do not know what they're doing. Yeah, and yeah. and. Here's a here's a question for you now. Do you think if they would have kept Budenholzer, if they would have been in a different situation? I think they would be better. I think they'd be more stable. Yeah. I I to be honest, Budenholzer, I know he had like there were some critiques of his playoff coaching in the past, but he won a championship with them. And last year he had a very valid reason for being distracted during the playoffs. He probably shouldn't have even just realistically, he shouldn't have been on the sidelines. He had it would have been better for him, his health wise, for him not to be there. Um, yeah. So I didn't like them firing in the first place. I don't like just, I, I didn't love the hire. Like, I think it's fine. I don't know that much about him, but I just, I just didn't like them firing Budenholzer in the first place, to be honest. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't like it earlier. And we, we talked about it shortly after that had happened. Uh, it, it just seemed like a, a knee-jerk reaction to something. Like, they, they fired him pretty much the day after they lost the series. Yeah. It does – like, why why would you not just sit down with him and talk? Like, okay, we w- tell us why you were truly dis- distracted. Like, obviously, they knew the, the involvement with his family and everything during that time. But it, talk to him first. This man doesn't deserve to be just – fired because he he had a family member die yeah <laughs> like it doesn't it, it's it just doesn't make much sense to me and and he's a very very intelligent intelligent coach who's been in and around the nba for for years and years he was gonna figure it out 
Yeah. And like, of and, course they lost to an eight seed, but that it has happened before. Yeah. And, and the other thing is like when you, and every fan out there that wants their head coach fired before you do that, can you name a list of realistic candidates who are better? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like they didn't do that before they fired him. So I, I didn't like the firing in the first place. The Bucks are a bit shaky. I would love a first round, like three, six Bucks Pacers. I think that'd be so much fun. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Uh, the last team that I had was the Cleveland Cavaliers. Who do you Ooh. have? Yeah. Assuming um, they're Garland and Mitch and uh, and Mobley are both supposed to come back during the regular season still. So, I I think I'm going to take the Cavs on this one, uh, just because their their defense is really good this year. I think Donovan Mitchell is playing at having one of his best seasons whenever he's been playing. Uh, Darius Garland. Whenever he's in the in the game, obviously is a is a huge threat uh, to to distribute and make shots. And as we see Mobley progress as well as a defensive threat and an offensive threat, I think he's just more more of a just overall powerhouse for them. And then you have Jared Allen, who's been going crazy recently. Yeah, obviously. In this hypothetical, we're saying that the playoffs start now. We'll have to see it. We'll have to talk a little bit closer to time. But yeah, that's. I I think I'm taking the Cavs. You have the Pacers. I, I do think I have the Pacers. I, I I still to me it's just the two small guards that gets me. We've seen it in the playoffs yeah. where those types of players struggle, and I think the Pacers are going to be a tough tough team. To beat, I, honestly, you know, this isn't a great prediction because we haven't seen them play. I just wanted to point out how, like, all of a sudden the East is kind of stacked because you're looking at a team like the Pacers, who we really like this move for, and it's like, oh, well, there's like five, maybe six teams that are probably better than them still, mm-hmm. at least on paper. So, and the, and the thing is, it's it's not like players were getting traded from the West to the East. It was people. There was teams in the East trading, trading from lower up, and so that stacked the higher end of the East now. And like you, I mean, this is a. There's a lot of teams in the East that are going to be throwing punches, come playoff time. I I think the East is is just about, maybe not eight deep because I really don't like the Magic in a playoff setting. But I I think you could definitely say seven deep. Yeah, Um, I agree. Raptors, Bruce Brown, Jordan Wara, three firsts, and Kira Lewis. What do we think? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a majority of that was assets. Uh, I think Bruce Brown uh, obviously is going to add to their, if they do decide to keep him, is going to add to some playoff experience. Obviously, they're not in the playoff race right now, but it almost like kind of like veteran experience. Like it, I have, I have rookie experience and then veteran experience and then playoff experience. And I think playoff experience is sometimes just as valuable as veteran experience. And mm-hmm. so, and I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't having the best season so far with the Pacers, but he was still, he was still playing very good minutes for them. And, and so I think this adds to the Raptors being, you know, now, now they have, uh, uh, RJ Barrett and uh, oh my goodness, 
who else went there with them quickly quickly yep and uh so now now you're starting to see a roster form around them and then when uh Jakob Podol comes back as well i think you're st- you're starting to see like somewhat of a roster form there that's not just a blow off roster yeah yep um so i think it was a good return Obviously, you get a couple of young players that can still play. They could still develop. Um, Bruce Brown either could really help them, I think, especially off the bench, or he could be a pretty valuable trade asset come trade deadline when a desperate team comes knocking with two firsts and a young player, you know, or something like mm-hmm. that. Obviously, I I think they waited probably a little bit long on the Pascal Siakam deal. I think they probably could have pulled the trigger over the summer or last season, considering that it never really seemed like they were going to extend him. So probably waited a little bit longer. He probably could have got, you know, maybe that last pick is not protected like it is this in this trade, or maybe they get a slightly better young player out of it. But I will say from um, Masai Ujuri's uh, press conference after the trade, I kind of like that he, that he didn't want to give up this player because he won a championship with the team, you know, I I thought that was, that was a good sentiment to have as a GM, even if you don't get quite as many assets, trying to really keep the players that mean something to your fan base around. I think that's a good thing to have. I think it's, I think it was worth losing out a little bit to try and keep a fan favorite around. Right. And and I think, I think Siakam was even open to staying yeah depending depending on how the season went and i think they were already you know we're halfway into the season i think he was seeing that there was no real real um the raptors weren't showing that they were actively going for a star and so i think that he was he was kind of saying like okay i gave you time you know i think i'm gonna head out so i think i think the front office and him definitely had an open dialogue about about what his priority priorities were and uh how he wanted and, and 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 like you said props to the front office with the raptors you don't see this very often where they're you, you know they're they're valuing a you know like a franchise player rather than the assets yeah behind him so yeah yeah i mean that's 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 something that you don't see very often so everyone take a picture right now and remember that it's the uh, that the Raptors actually cared about their players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's they're, they're Canadian. They're Canadian. That's yeah. the only reason. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think he said in that press conference that he he was up for two hours after he made the Demar Derozan trade, just pacing <laughs> in his hotel room, building up the courage to call Demar and tell him that he traded him. Just pretty interesting uh, to hear. Yeah. I mean that that group, I think I think he realized how close that group was together too with Lowry and DeRozan and Siakam yeah. was still young at that point too and it that's that that's got to be tough to just like shuffle shuffle people around like they're like it's money. Yeah. I agree. Um all right, anything else on the trades? No. Uh like you said, both teams seem to have have done pretty well. I, I think it puts the Raptors it, like we had discussed last episode with RJ and Emmanuel quickly extending their deadline. 
for what yeah. they're looking at time frame wise. I think I think um, Bruce Brown does the same thing. Yep. So hey, you like jazz? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> real quick, real quick. I want it before we jump into that. Uh, All Star Game is on February eighteenth. Trade deadline is on uh, February 9th. The the trade deadline is is nine days before the All Star Game, so uh, that's what we're looking forward to the next time we we meet. But all right, I, I do like the jazz. jazz. They're red yeah. hot. Fifteen they are six, red hot. Twenty one games. They're twenty up to twenty two and twenty one. Ninth in the West as of yeah. last night. Obviously, that might have shuffled. They're playing right now as well, mm-hmm. so we'll see if they if they can stay hot, but. Uh, I watched. I haven't watched them a ton because they weren't that interesting, and then they started getting good, and just mm-hmm. hasn't. They always play late West Coast games and stuff. But I did catch the third quarter of their game against the, the Thunder, and man, was that a good game! Yeah, that was a it, that was a high level basketball game right there. It it was it was very good. So did did you see? Um, th- Colin Sexton absolutely annihilates um, uh, Chet Holmgren and who was who was the other person? It was I think it was, was Jaden Williams. It was SGA. Yeah, absolutely just, yammed on him, and, and, and that was crunch was time too. Yeah, it was like the last like fifty seconds of the game, and they were down, and he just went all the way back on that dunk. Let me tell you. It was a very was easily a, could have been an and one too. That was like a, a could have very easily been a momentum shifting play. And yeah. like I watched, I was able to watch some of that game too. And it was very, very, very good. Um, And Colin Sect has been a, a big reason why. So Larry Markin missed some time with injury. He came back and right around that time, they shifted Colin Sexton into the starting lineup. And that was kind of the, the turning point for them to become the the I mean they're really a good team they're always a good team at home but now they're winning some road games too and mm-hmm. they're making some noise they're they're upsetting the 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 fruit basket if you will in the the Western Conference of teams that we expected to be in that play in conversation yeah and and we as this team continues to to play as well as they are, do you feel like any of the players are still on like the trade table? I I kind of do just because it's Danny Ainge and I don't think he's ever quite done making trades. Yeah. <laughs> I I do I do want so to me if Colin Sexton can keep playing the way he is, right? He's still young. He can still become a better player. Um I, I think they need one more player to be probably a wing to really be a good team, right? And it doesn't I'm not talking about like they need a you know one A wing or anything like that. Larry Markinen's plenty good enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Um I just think they need a wing that's like maybe almost all star level, like a Mikel Bridges level wing. And right. then they're and now they're a playoff team, they're good, they can start doing everything to win um what about also, a cam johnson cam johnson Ooh, i don't i don't know i i i don't know if he's enough 
because they have um what is it it's some samaje fontecchio or something like yeah fontecchio yeah. is his last name who's he's not can he's not as good as cam johnson he's kind of similar i don't mm-hmm. know if cam johnson quite gets it there for me personally but i i don't i don't think they're that far away if they hit on a draft but if taylor hendricks was if taylor hendrick turns into a starting caliber high level starting caliber player i think i think they're right there yeah i agree this uh it seems like players are playing for their position on the team right now too and maybe that's why the success has been what it is too like Markinen, I think he knows that he is a high value target and that he's going to be, if he gets shipped somewhere, it's probably going to be a for a contender. Yeah. Um, but like Colin Sexton, two straight games with like 30 points or more. Uh, yeah. We'll see about tonight, obviously. But, um, and then uh, who else was the other one? Lori Markinen, obviously, offensive threat. And it was John Collins. John Collins yeah. scored like 22 or 24 the other night against against the Thunder as well. So he was playing really well. Um, out, out of their starting lineup, who do you think is the most uh, – let's just say besides Clarkson because we've discussed Clarkson getting shuffled out of that lineup. Let's let's just hypothetically say which which one out of the starting lineup do you think is most likely to be traded between Sexton, so, Markin, and Collins? I think their start, it's their starting lineup key – Keontae, Sexton, Fontecchio, Collins, and Markinen. I believe so. I, so I think I think net second behind Clarkson is probably John Collins. He has a bit of a big contract, and but if a team likes what he's been doing, right, they're not gonna you know they're not trying to get him to fill a different role or like hoping that he'll still grow as a player. I think I think he could be a player that not only do the Jazz are the Jazz are okay with moving because he's not really in their timeline, but also another team might look to trade for him. Yeah, I I agree. I that was actually my first thought was um, Clarkson has been playing pretty pretty decently so far. So what if, what if you're wanting to keep uh, an offensive wing threat and then you decide to get John Collins out? which he's more of, you know, forward post. Um, yeah. He can stretch the floor a little bit too, but not as much as, as, as Clarkson. So that was my thought. And, and he, he can bring you in. I, I don't know if he's, I think he and Clarkson are close to the same level. Um, like value wise, maybe um, just because Clarkson is, is aging. I don't know if he's going to bring back as much, uh, but it, it, that that was my thought. Was was Collins was probably the 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 first option after after if if Clarkson is not traded, Collins is probably the next one. Yeah, and, and I will say so. Clarkson has a pretty nice contract, a pretty friendly contract for the value that he's giving. So to me, it's if I'm the Jazz, don't pull the trigger on any trades until like the trade deadline, at least not like moving out players, wait and see where you are at that point. And then also for Clarkson, like I think he's going to have value, uh, you know, next year, right. His contract's still going to be good. I don't think he's going to stop being able to score. And for Collins, I don't, 
I want to say he's got one more year left on his deal after this one. So like maybe wait till he's in the last year of his deal. Cause that's typically when players have their highest value because you know that you don't have to pay them in the future. If you don't like what you get from them, especially when they're on bloated contracts, which is a little bit what Collins has. So to me, if I'm right. a jazz, just, just wait, you've got a ton of draft. So, you know, just wait. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it, definitely wait until the trade deadline. I, I just don't I don't I don't know why they would be pulling anything. And so uh, did you hear that the Pacers were involved in possibly a Markinen trade? Uh, I did see. That. Yeah. In, instead of instead of Siakam, I I think that Siakam fits their 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 role a lot better than Markinen. Um, I think he brings a lot more defense than Markinen does at, at like the the one through five position. Obviously, Markinen is tall; he can he can guard fives too. But um, Markinen is more offensively uh, attuned, and I don't think yeah. that the Pacers needed more offense. And so i I think that the Jazz should stick with Markinen at this point. Markinen is an extremely valuable player. He'll be as valuable next year, you know, mm-hmm. maybe he's in a contract year at that point or whatever, but like marketing the, 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 the player type that he fits in the NBA right now is extremely valuable. He's not going to lose value going forward. So if you all of a sudden are like, okay, this is, you know, we're not quite where we want to be. We want to make some trades, then trade it. But right. And from other teams standpoint, making a big swing that costs what marketing is going to cost rarely works out in that season. So just wait till the summer, you know, like mid season trades of that caliber rarely work out. Right. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Jazz are looking good. It's, it's, it's a, it's a good look for them right now. And whether it's players just playing to try and get to save their spot on the roster, or if it is them clicking at the right time, it's looking good either way. Uh, any other teams in the NBA you wanted to talk on? Nope. I, those were, that was the hot team I was actually wanting to talk about. So that's good. Yeah. They're jazz are fun right now. Mm-hmm. Um, also, oh, I wanted to quick mention on the jazz. Will Hardy's been doing an incredible job as their coach. He's been yes. throwing yeah. out all sorts of fun schemes and stuff. Um, he's a big reason why they're, why they're winning right now. So, yeah. And the schemes are actually working. It's not just like junk he's throwing at the wall to see if it sticks. I, th- I think <laughs> it was a really cool thing he said where he said that whenever he started coaching Colin Sexton, he had to stop coaching him like the stuff he'd heard about him and coach on the player that he knew and like saw working before him. And then after that, all of a sudden, Colin Sexton starts becoming a much better player, which was I thought yeah. that was a really, a really fun insight there. Um, all right. Illinois basketball. Yes. Well, I've been, I've been very excited to talk about this actually. So, oh my. They are four and two over their last six games, which have been without Terrence Shannon Jr. Mm-hmm. They lost a game at home to Maryland and then won a game pretty easily at Michigan in their last two games. Yeah. So 
big thing for me is is knowing his fit back in this roster. Uh, as we saw, like from his when when TSJ went out, the first game he was out, Illinois scored 106 against um, FDU, uh, and then the next game blew out the Northwestern too by 30 points. Yep. And so my thought is now that they were playing so well, obviously they've, they've lost to Purdue. They've lost to Maryland. How, how do, how do we fit TSJ back in there and still be the same team that we've been, we've been playing as, I don't think he's going to hurt because he's one of the best players, if not the best, one of the best guards in college basketball right now. Yep. I don't think he's going to hurt, but it's more about throwing off the rhythm of the team because at what we were seeing during this, this six games without TSJ was we were seeing Damask one-on-one-ing, backing down on the right wing every single time down the floor, it seemed like. Now, when you have Terrence Shannon that's more ball-dominant driving to the rim, that gets Damask out of rhythm. And we saw what that was like whenever we played Maryland. Damask shot the ball extremely poorly because the ball wasn't in his hands early. So what, like, how do you fix that? How do you fix that situation? Like, obviously you're going to have to run a bunch of plays with TSJ and Damask early, early, early in the game to get them both hot, but they're used to playing without him. Now, how do you kind of separate that back out? Yeah. I, I think, I think here's what I like. Keep the kind of same play style moving the ball, sharing the ball, sharing shots. I think you just have a better play finisher with Terrence Shannon Jr., right? Like he's he's just like if you have Justin Harmon instead of Terrence Shannon Jr., Justin Harmon, no offense. He's a really good catch and shoot. Mm-hmm. I don't want him moving. I don't want him driving with the basketball. I want him sitting in the corner, catching it and shooting it. No offense the right, to him. Right corner. Yeah, he's been really good from that right corner. He's been really scrappy on defense. I don't want him driving the basketball. Please, mm-hmm. if you're listening, don't do it. Uh, but Terrence <laughs> Shannon Jr., in place of him, right, he can still shoot the basketball, and now yeah, he's, he can drive and finish as well, very well. I think what I like, the idea of, right, you have Damask, he's doing his back down. You got Luke Goody one pass away, and now you got Terrence Shannon Jr. two passes away, defense is scrambling, and he's just, lightning fast to the rim. There's nothing they're going to do about it. I think that to me is what Illinois needs to capitalize on. Do you think they go back to Goody on starting unit and Ty Rogers on the bench with TSJ on? Because if, if not, then you're leaving out either Ty Rogers or Gary, Gary out of the starting lineup. It's tough because, I don't think Illinois uses Goody as much as they should. Yeah, um, I agree. Because he, he shoots like four threes a game, and he's like 45%. Like, why are you not shooting eight to ten threes a game? It's modern yeah. basketball. But they're also pretty good at offense, so maybe I shouldn't meddle with it too much, you know. Uh, right. I, that's a tough one because Rodgers is really good defensively. But... I don't know. I think they probably Goody probably still comes off the bench. I don't think. I think Brad Underwood likes the kind of scrappiness of Rogers, but 
I love Rodgers. Ty Rodgers is my favorite player on Illinois. I, even even when Terrence Shannon was on the floor, I, Ty Rodgers is my favorite player because he is so scrappy. He is the one. I mean, the the game against uh, who was it that he went? Oh, it was well Purdue. He played really good against Purdue, but then he also started the game off hot against uh, Michigan State as well. Played amazing against them. It, yeah, I think he had twelve points in in the first twelve minutes of the game. like you don't see that very often with him well two out of the last three games we'll exclude the maryland game because everybody pretty much played terribly in that game yeah came with their eyes closed sleeping still apparently um but outside of that game ty rogers has said hey guys stop guarding me with fives because you're not gonna like what happens and then they guard with a smaller player and he's like well you're still not gonna like that because i'm just gonna back you down and shoot it and I'm yeah. a good finisher. So I, I've really liked how he's he's upped his aggression. He doesn't have a whole lot of offensive skill, but he's really good at getting to the rim and getting uh and finishing there. So I've I really like what I've seen from him. And obviously defensively, he's just he'll guard everybody. He is he is an instant poster watch. I mean, you have to yeah. watch out for him because he's gonna he's gonna two hand yam on anyone that's in his path. Yeah. He's so good. Same with same with Gary. He's been really good uh, driving towards the rim too. He's been a he's he's had a couple of really good dunks recently. He's really good but, at cutting off those. Yes, those that they get a lot of. You get yeah. it against a layup or a dunk, and yeah, yeah. It's it this this team has been so fun to watch. It is it is it's been the most fun since going back to the uh, like the IO. And Kofi and Monte and Andreas yeah. Feliz, like that that year was really fun in like twenty one, whenever they won the the conference championship. This team is really fun to watch. And I think this team has fixed the holes that Illinois has had in several years past too, where we get to the fourth quarter and we cannot get a bucket. We did see that in against Maryland, but again, like you said, every, they were walking up to the gym basically sleeping. Um, they never they always struggle against Maryland because of always. Well, in the past it's been Dante Scott that's bothered them because he's big and he can score. And Illinois yeah. had nothing just panicked at this thought of that um yeah, they it wasn't so much Dante Scott this time, which I was happy to see. It was other guys, which I wasn't happy to see, but at least yeah. he wasn't just dominating them this time. Right. Um, I, they got Rutgers at home on Sunday. It'll be interesting to see, you know, because there's also the dynamic of Terrence Shannon Jr. coming back with the type of controversy that he's under. Of course, we'll kind of see right. what kind of minutes he plays and. Um, assuming he plays, of course, and how it affects sort of team morale and what have you. I I honestly wouldn't mind if Underwood keeps him on the bench, doesn't start him immediately. Um, I do think because of the the court order, I feel like he probably they have to play him, right? Not like because I, I I don't know how the legality of it. I don't think they can just kind of sit him on the end of the bench, and I don't think right. they. No. What what I meant by that was like like not having him start like having him come in like six man or something, yeah yeah. So yeah, I, I I'm not Brad Underwood, so I don't have to make that decision. Thankfully, 
But yeah. I, I think let the guys work that have been working so far and then slowly reintroduce uh, TSJ. Yeah. Uh, also, Coleman Hawkins' defense has been uh, – it's going to get him drafted. Killer. Yeah. He's been playing so well. And the fact that he can steal the ball from such small guards is nuts. He had six steals against Michigan. Yeah. Almost all. So his, his, did you see his stat line that night too? That was like yeah. the, the first time that Illinois has done it like ever. Um, it was the, the full stat line was 20, 21 points, 10 rebounds, six steals and four assists. They got a block too. And he's no turnovers. He's the, yeah, he's the fifth player nationally, not just at Illinois, nationally to do that since the 2010 2011 season. So we're looking like 13 years, 14 years, yeah. Since that, there's only been five players that is, have done that. This is the year we're gonna show out better in the NCAA tournament. It's not gonna we look have like. To. We don't know how to be there. I'm not going to make any predictions because I don't want to jinx us or anything. We're just going to look like an NCAA tournament team that has a team made for that kind of stage. This is the year. I I wish so badly that we had Gary A and Damask before this year so we could have a full couple of years with them. They are so fun to watch. Yeah. Just, Uh, Just... it, Illinois fans admire this right now. Admire it. Uh, add the the slow walking back down from the three point line to your game. Don't yeah. don't listen to your high school coach who says it won't work. Empty the side and back him down. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Anything else you want to cover? Uh, that's all I had on, 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 the, on Illinois. Okay. Uh, I had, I think I had a couple of, uh, uh, quick fun facts. Um, let me see if I ended up saving it. I got uh, a couple did, here too. So it, I, I actually, so the Jordan pool one was my one that I forgot to cover last week. And, um, he is 520th in the NBA, uh, with a net rating of negative 342 and wow. right Underneath or above him at 519 is Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> so you have two, two of the players on the same team with a wow. uh, combined uh, net net rating of negative 655. Wow, wow! I don't think you're going to be winning as a basketball team if if that those two are on your team together Just... together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, my other my other one real quick is involved with uh, Stephen Curry. So this stat was taken before they recently started going on this bu- this big slump after Chris Paul got injured. But uh, the Warriors are eleven and three when Curry scores thirty points or more. And they are five and twelve when Curry does not score thirty points, and they're zero and two whenever he hasn't played. He has struggled a lot recently, um, shooting wise, and it, I mean it's, it's hurt. I, we see it; they, it's hurt them so so much. 
he there was there was a game last week that I looked at the box score and he had nine points in a game, which is pretty much unheard of for for him. Yeah, the Warriors have been atrocious. That's a whole episode. Really of yeah. Uh, all right, real quick. Saw this stat: LeBron has played against thirty five percent of all NBA players. What in the world? Uh, and speaking of the Wizards, the Wizards have clinched their 45th straight season of less than 50 wins. The last time they had 50 or more wins was in 1979. Oh, my gosh. Were they called the Bullets then? I'm pretty sure they were the Bullets at that point. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, under the name, the Washington Wizards, they've never had a 50-win season. Nope. Which is Which is wild. Which- they had a couple of yeah. pretty good teams. Yeah, the the John Wall Bradley Beal era and and uh Gore uh no Gortat, Marcin Gortat and uh Nene Howie. were on that team. Yeah. All like that was a very good year. They were in the playoffs. They were they were they were I think they faced LeBron and D Wade uh, uh, uh with the Heat in the first round one year and and made them work. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's nuts. Yep, I'm loving these crazy stats recently. They've been they've been out of nowhere. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, all right, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, check us out on Instagram, Twitter at the CACS Pod. Send us in questions, thoughts on uh, basketball, anything basketball related. Doesn't have to be specific. Um. Oh, thanks to Cottage for our uh, intro and outro music. Yes, haven't shouted anything, them out in a while. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else you want to shout out? Talk about? Before we get nope. to one on one. All good. Let's go. All right. What's the score? Is eight eight six right? Eight eight six. You are up. You got both questions last time involved with the uh, MVP. All right. So in honor of. The uh, Celtics home winning streak snapped last night. They're now 20 and one on the season. thought I'd have some stats. So if you can name at least two of the five of the top five teams in home wins in the past five seasons, uh, sorry, if you can, yes, if you understand what I said, it was a bit convoluted. There's so two teams out of the five out of the, in the last two of the top five teams in uh home wins in the past five seasons. I will give you a point. Okay. If you name all five, I'll give you double points. Oh boy. Okay. So I'm gonna say it, it, this is prior to and including this year. Yes. Up up till up till now, I guess, in okay. the past five I'm, years. I'm gonna say the Celtics as one. They are number four, 138 okay. and fifty six. Okay, I I assumed probably from what was it twenty? How many how many games this season? Twenty. 20. They're twenty one now. Yeah, right. Um, and then, hmm, I really I really want to go with the Warriors because last year they were really good at home and really bad away, and this year it's been opposite. So I'm gonna go with the Warriors. Ooh, not the Warriors. They are actually eighth. Eighth. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go with let's go with the Lakers. 
Nope, not the Lakers. I don't even oh know my. where they. All right, you got, you got two more chances. I know I'm you stressed. Can I'm stressed here. Uh, let's let's go with um, let's go with the Bucks. There you go. Now you're back in it. Okay. Bucks are number one, one forty-seven and forty-six. They, I assume they had to be probably up there, but I, they may be slipping down here this year. Yeah. But okay, interesting. All right, just real quick. Number two is the 76ers, one forty-one and fifty-one. Nuggets, mm-hmm. number three, 139 and 54. Celtics, like I said earlier. And then the Jazz at number <laughs> five, 137 and 57 over the last I would have never guessed that. I would have never have guessed the Jazz, just saying it right now. The Jazz have gone like, I want to say like, maybe maybe not 20, but they've gone like over a decade at home. With being over 500 uh, at home. So, wow. All right. I'll, so I'll give you that point. You got two of them. Second question. Who in the NBA history has the best home start to a season? Home start. Okay. Home start as in points per game. Met most consecutive games won at home to start a season. Like the Celtics gotcha. started the season 20-0 at home. And this is a team, not a player, yes. right? Okay. Yes. Hmm. I really, I, I, I'm thinking the Bulls from the '90s, but I'm not going to put that as my answer because I feel like they started out kind of rocky at home. That that record-setting year. Again, I'm going to have to go with the Warriors because they're the other like record-setting year. So I'll go with the 2015-2016 Warriors. Ooh, you got the year right. It was actually the 2015-2016 Spurs. Oh, the Spurs. They started out the year 39 and 0 at home. They lost wow. they, they ended up they finished the season 40 and 1 at home. Their one wow. loss was to the Warriors. So that that year was so good for basketball. 2015-2016. Incredible. That was year. such a good such a good year of basketball. But, all right. Okay. 8-8-7. That's all right. I'll come back. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, we'll we'll talk to you in two weeks. Go Illini. Yep. Bye. Bye.